The Napa Know How Motorsport Academy is back, bigger than ever. The Academy offers tuition to all racers aged 13 and up, giving insights into the world of racecraft and analysis, plus information on health, sponsorship and media. On top of the information you'll receive, you can win regular prizes and best of all, it's free to join. Get involved at the new Napa Motorsport Asia Pacific Facebook and Instagram pages or visit the Napa Australia or New Zealand websites to sign up and be part of know-how that is synonymous with Napa. Start your engines. This is the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racer Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 27 of the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. We've got a uh, really top show coming your way tonight. Bit of a surprise guest, and we're keeping it grassroots as. Check out everything that Napa Auto Parts does on their website at www.napaparts.com.au and NZ. And check out the Napa Motorsport Academy. Fantastic place to go if you're looking to improve your results. The Know How Academy is awesome free service and improve your grassroots racing, fitness diet, mental health, press and media, social media strategies, sponsorship, and much, much more. Thoroughly recommend you get on to the Napa Motorsport Academy. I'm Darren Smith, and thank you for those that have joined us for 27 podcasts along the way, or one or two or 10 or 20 along the way. Thanks for joining us. My uh, co-host tonight is the same bloke he has been for the last 27 I'm not going to pump up his tyres, but he actually did get to see National Sports Sedans on the weekend, Gaz. So I would suggest your tyres are uh, overinflated after all of that at Winton. Yeah, it was the previous 26, Daz, not the previous 27. Yeah, good good evening, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here again. And um, yeah, great best guest tonight. I think you've got a, a lot of good stories to tell us. Fantastic, Gaz. Let's... Uh... Well, he's probably best known for, in recent times, for being the man that would sort of ran Touring Car Masters for quite a long while. And now he's working with uh, the Jane Corporation and getting Call to Park back up and running. And that's going to be grassroots heaven for all those people who get involved. But prior to that, we want to find out more about what Rowan Harmon has been up to in his love of motorsport. Great to be on Napa Grassroots, guys. Excellent to have you, Rowan. It's um, a real testament to the name of our podcast and to have Rowan Harmon on, who has existed right through the, the range of gut grassroots, middle road, top level of motorsport, in and out of uh, different uh, categories and, and driving and racing for decades, really, in Australia. So absolutely awesome to have you on with us, Rowan. A real, real privilege to have someone with such a diverse um, motorsport career, if you like, or uh, interests along the way. Um, Your very first recollection of anything motorsport where you went to a track or a, or a something, um, a rally or whatever it might be. And you went, wow, this is a bit of all right. I'm going to have some time in this sport. Um, My father took me, I I was born in East Gippsland, um, lived in a little town called Lindsay. Uh, between Bairnsdale and Omeo. Uh, 1963, when I was nine years old, we moved to Melbourne and um, I had a next-door neighbour called Tony McIntyre who was into hot-rodding old Woosleys, of all things, and putting side-valve V8s in them. So that was looking over the fence, always looking at Tony doing weird and wonderful things. 
Um, my father took me to, I'm pretty sure it was a 67 Tasman. Um, that was a big deal because Jack Brabham had just won the world championship in 66. Um, and that was okay, just sitting in the grandstand. But later, I, uh, my next door, with my next door neighbour, Tony McIntyre, went to a touring car race. And I just have vivid memories of Norm Beach in the Chevy Nova at Sandown. We were parked down on Danny Nong Road. And um, that just got me in, I suppose. Um, loved it. Went to go down to the pits. Um, at that time or around that time, my mother had an A30. Um, and there was this little blue and yellow A30 running around with a Holden engine in it. And I thought that was pretty cool as well. That was Peter Brock, of course. Um, and uh, that just kindled the interest. I then started, um, I went through a number of schools, for reasons I won't go into. Um, ended up at Swinburne Tech. They had a, used to have a, a good magazine library and there was road and track in there. And I just got sucked into both Can-Am and Trans-Am and, Parnelli Jones, reading about Parnelli Jones and the Budmore Mustangs sort of really got me in. That's when Moffat arrived with his Mustang, of course, and or around that time. So, uh, yeah, got stuck into touring car racing and um, uh, I was, what, 16? At Swinburne, we used to have, I'm trying to think what they used to call it, was it work culture or something? Or, or You had a couple of weeks where you... Uh, you know, if you wanted to become a vet, you went and did a couple of weeks' work at a, a veterinary clinic or, you know, if you wanted to be an accountant, you went to an accountant's office for a couple of weeks. Um, so I organised myself that I went to Alan Moffat Racing at 711 Melbourne Road and collect sumps and did all that sort of stuff. Um, but also going to Swinburne, I used to get off at um, Auburn Station, not Glenbury Station, and walk past Harry Firth's workshop in Queens Avenue and our local butcher was actually a guy called Frank Porter and through Frank Porter I got to uh, clean tyres and sumps at uh, the Holden dealer team and was actually due to go to Bathurst. Um, I got permission off my parents to go to Bathurst in 1972 but got appendicitis so I missed out on all of that fun as a, as a gopher. Um, but my time at, at uh, 711 uh, Malvern Road, that was based at the back of two Vern Motors. And there's a guy called Brent Benzie there who, who was a New Zealander who worked for two Vern Motors, but he was running the X Manton Mini Cooper S, uh, the last of Skinny's cars. That was owned by a chap called Ian Weaver, who was um, a sort of a pillar of the Light Car Club back in the day and Skinny's manager. Um, and Brent was. Um, I think newly married or about to get married and by chance uh, through another mate of mine Tony Amor I was in contact with a chap called Jeff Kennett from Kenray Furniture um, who not the politician who wanted to get into racing um, and I knew everything so he had purchased Ken Hastings McLaren M4A to turn into a Formula 3 car. Did, did you just say Rowan that you knew everything? Oh, well, yeah. I, I knew everything then. Okay, yeah. All kids, all kids of that age knew everything then, didn't they? <laughs> knew everything about motor racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why they call me Chap Ripple, Joe. We'll get on to that. Um, <laughs> can, I, can I just go, you, you mentioned Skinny. Who are you referring to calling Skinny? Peter Manton. Okay, right on. Yeah, Peter Manton was uh, one of the pillars of the Trident and then Neptune and Shell Racing Team, and he uh, he raced minis. Um so Jeff wanted to get into racing. He bought the McLaren off Ken Hastings. Um, 
I had a, an association with Taylor's College. I was actually at that time setting up a advanced driver training program for Taylor's College and put the idea to them that perhaps if I was racing, which is what I wanted to do, that um, you know we should uh, get involved in it. And I knew of a car that was available and I had a person who was willing to buy the car if they were willing to sponsor the team. So we actually put together Taylor's College Racing, which was the, the McLaren, um, for Formula 3 and the Mini in um, Sports Advance. And all was just finishing, basically, improved touring. It used to be, and Sports Advance had really just come to the fore. So we put that deal together and... Um, the what the first race was 70 i got my license at calder in january 74 and the same day as my second sister got married so we just made that that wedding <laughs> um so, um but by may or june the deal was that jeff got a few drives as well because he owned the car um he crashed it at hume weir i ran phillip island he crashed it at hume weir we fixed it. I ran sand down. He ran it at Calder, crashed it. <laughs> so it was all getting a little bit out of hand. But Taylor's, by that stage, $100,000 series, Sports at End series, was running at, um, at Calder. Um, and that had perked uh, the interest of Taylor's College. That's, that's the big deal. That was the thing that was on TV. So how about we get a V8? Um, and I negotiated... Um, well, kicked off negotiations actually with Gene Cook to buy Tomo's Alterana, but that deal didn't come through. Um, then went to buy the ex-Gardener Camaro from Bob Jane. Uh, that was the 67 model. Um, there's a whole book I could write on that experience. Um, and it ended up really not happening in the Taylor's College. Money moved to Peter Jansen and he continued with them. And I sort of basically then just had to step away. I had to make my way in life. I wasn't going to be a professional racing driver. I remember Ken Nancaro, I had a little business called Motorsport Mediums. I based out of Ralston Street, South Yarra, where Ken Nancaro had uh, race gear and Hugh Nellis had motor racing insurance services. And I shared an office with Huey. And I remember Ken Nancaro telling me there was five people in Australia that made a living out of motor racing. Um, he was one, I think Alan Horsley, if I can remember all the names, um, Alan Moffat, and I can't remember the other two, but they were the only, they might have been Harry Firth, um, they were the only ones that actually made a living out of professionally motor racing. So uh, you got no hope, kid. So yeah, took that on board. Um, and look, from there, I just uh, couldn't afford to go racing. Um, I was in a light car club at that stage and did some work with, uh, or helped out Doug Hicks, actually on the original, uh, what used to be called Competition Communicator and then became Race Day Magazine. I was selling the advertising space in those. That led to selling the advertising for Auto Action with Paul Harrington, one of the original editors of Auto Action. Um, and through client contact, ended up working for Roger Payne, who was the Globe Allo Wheels distributor in Victoria. So I was always in and around the motor cars and the, that side of uh, the performance or um, uh, parts business, I suppose. Um, then I had to get myself a uh, bit better organised. I um, 
ended up working for Sam King at Signcraft, and they uh, they used to do all the uh, signage etc. for um, uh, for Calder Park. And um, I was really enjoying my work there and had more of a connection with Calder Park, but my, unfortunately my father passed away suddenly and that changed a whole heap of things because it was very sudden, he was only 52. Um, so the next 18 months, two years was taken up with assisting the family uh, businesses. My father had uh, grazing properties and a shopping centre development, a whole heap of other things. So it helped mum through that. Um, this is going very quickly, not much motor racing in here, but sort of still had the finger on the pulse. She used to knock around a fair amount with Wayne Mankin and the boys down there, originally the Garden Vale Auto Service, and then we had his servo and Hyatt, and then moved to um, the auto tune with the turbo business in Moorabbin. Um, so used to knock around a bit with Manx. I did a little short stint there with, uh, or sorry, I did a long stint with, with Heinz. And at that time I was riding the mainly Melbourne column for racing car news. Um, and Rowan, you, you touched on before and you said you could write a whole book on the experience with, um, with getting the car from Bob Jane, etc. There, what, what was the, what was the car and what was, what was holding things up there as far as, you know, you said there's a whole volume or a whole book there. What, what was, you know, what was the toing and froing or, or I guess the trying to get your hands on that vehicle? What was that all about? Um, Sort of the, the association was more with Pat Purcell um, when with the Taylors uh, with Taylors backing we were looking for another car because the the Tomo Tirana deal fell through I think John Shepherd had something to do with that um, and then I knew of the I knew of the cars at Grey Street because I used to uh, knock around with some of those guys Miles Johnson and that sort of thing and I knew the car was sitting there it was actually in the tyre warehouse and. Talking to Paddy, he said, Well, I'll put a deal together where the thing originally ran to European Group 2 rules, which was a huge rear wheels and all this sort of stuff. So Pat put a deal together. The thing had a uh, blown head gasket. He said, I'll rebuild the engine. We'll put it on 10 inch US mags, which of which uh, Bob was the, the agent for out here, and a new set of tyres. And we settled on a, on a deal. And as I remember, it was 15 grand. Um, so I've gone back to Taylor's, given them the story, what the car is, what they'll do. Um, yep, terrific, go ahead. So I teed up, Pat, yep, it's all going to go ahead. So um, organised to meet Bob, and I remember it was in Chetland Street, at the, what was then the T-Marts or the Bob Jane Corp office. Um, <laughs> fronted up, sat at one end of the big boardroom table, Bob bottled in, g'day young fellow, what, what are you after here? And I said, well, I've got a check here for the, the Camaro, and he said, how much is it for? And I said, 15 grand, as arranged. And he said, well, price has just gone up. <laughs> um, so that pretty much scarred that deal. Um, as a side note to that, I ended up actually buying the car off Bernie Watt in um, 2000, well, 2002, 2003, somewhere around there, and started its restoration. But then a guy called Bill Withy in the UK had to have the car, um, so we uh, we arranged and did and did that deal. If I remember trying to think who had who actually did race that car, obviously when your deal fell through, someone actually did race it, didn't they? Yeah, John Pollard. 
that's it. Yeah, I yeah, John Pollard yeah. Um, yeah. ended up with the car, and I remember he actually told me in later years before he passed away, had a bit to do with John when he was in WA with driver training, etc. Um, I remember him telling me he paid eight grand for it. No. So anyway, that, that that's how things um, all fell out of place or into place or whatever. So I'm not sure where we're up to. I think I'd uh, my father had just passed. Is that where we were basically Correct. up to? Yeah. 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 Um, and then around that time, I had a Datsun 1600 with the Gil Davis treatment, and I was doing like car club amateur rallies and and that sort of stuff. I uh, got a bit more involved in this um, Australian Sports Sedan Association Vic branch um, and ended up with uh, buying a car or buying a share in a, a Tirana Sports Sedan with Ken Jones. Um, so we gave that a bit of a tart up and Wayne helped us with an engine and Nick McQuaig did the cylinder head and we had a terrific time for a couple of years with an XU1 Tirana. Ended up buying it outright when Ken went Mazda. And, <laughs> um, with with his RX3, the Bristol RX3. Um, and then one day I was down at Manx and there's this pretty snappy little Gemini looking sitting there in a little turbo six and all the fruit. And I'd had, I had an association with Wayne in a in a chassis dyno, a wheel dyno down there. And um he said, Oh, the bloke I was gonna sort this out for was Eric Jones from Canberra, he just decided he wants to sell it. They reckon it'd be a good thing. There's a few things that need to be done to it, blah, blah. So, and, he, and Wayne also mentioned, he said, I know a couple of blokes in Tassie, you wouldn't mind your Tirana. And um, so I ended up, did a deal with Eric. I purchased the Gemini and um, the uh, Tirana went to Tassie and is still down there actually with Pat Reed, um, virtually as I sold it, which is amazing. Um, and I ended up with the Turbo 6, Gemini, and that was um, at the same time I just kicked off my own advertising agency, so it was all pretty hard, hard work. Um, and then my mother passed away, so that stopped those plans um, for just a little while. Um, and, and I got a, I was called into uh, just had the the Gemini there. Um, it, we did a heap of things. Wayne was too busy to do it. Um, I'd done some work for Normal Air Garrett, turbocharging, and one of the agents was up to an automotive in South Melbourne, Andy McIntyre, Ryan Melbourne. So we ended up um, moving the Gemini to there where we redid um, the front end, um, made a few things a little bit lighter, and the car was starting to you know, show some some promise, I suppose, but we're just having a lot of issues, as everybody did back then with the turbo and the Holden 6 and trying to get too much out of them, I suppose. <laughs> um, and I did a, some work for another Jeff Kennett, actually, KNF Advertising, who turned out, ended up being the Premier of the state. They had the of Goodrich account and they needed to re-pitch for the, for the business. Um, and through a number of contacts, they got in contact with me, so I did some work with them. Um, they didn't get the business because it went to a worldwide agency. But um, then Goodrich got in contact and said they liked the sort of stuff that I proposed. Would I be interested in coming in and talking to them? And ended up with BF Goodrich running their performance. Oh, what they call it? Um, their high tech performance 
oh, I've forgotten what the full title was. It filled up the whole of the bottom of the business card. But by that stage, um, the, uh, the the job involved, I was basically in the US or travelling around Australia for a good half of the year. Um, never got time to, to race the car. While I was in the States, had a lot to do with their IMSA and RS programs, which RS programs, and saw that the rotaries were, um, you know, 20 gallon, a 20 litre drum with a carby on top, set and forget. Um, so I got some good contacts over there with guys like Jim Metter, et cetera, and um, pulled the Gemini apart, put the rotor into it. And again, that's another whole book. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> just, just touch on if you can remember what year you're sort of talking when when the Tirana went and the Gemini arrived and you started to get right into the thick of things with um, sports then. You, you just um, got to remember too, Rowan, that um, you talk, when you talk to Darren, it's all about rotaries. It's not right? all about rotaries. It, it is. Like, it is all about There was it. the odd Saturday I spent with Rowan when he was running his ride day business <laughs> and I would practice out there while he had his ride days going on in the mess. <laughs> And one other little thing, just before you jump in there, yeah, Eric Jones, was he the guy that ended up with the Edmondson Alpeta? Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, Eric had some pretty good jiggers in his time. Yeah, yeah. Um, built, a, built a nice car. The, the Gemini was just, well, I remember when we weighed, it was, four, uh, was it 1,478 kilo, I think. Um, it's a heavy car. It was for, a, well, six-cylinder uh, turbo, four-top loader box, Ford, nine-inch rear end. Um, all the guards were still steel and all that. Mm. Is this the, the same car that um, that Hossack had? And um, yeah, yeah, same one. That Brock drove, or Brock was going to drive. It was, or it was originally conceived by John Brookfield for Brock to drive back in the team Brock days with an Irving six cylinder, and yep. that project Eric purchased it off them and and finished it um, and ran it. Had a few issues, gave it to Wayne to sort out. Wayne, I think, drove it at Winton, and that's when it ended up down at his shop. And then Eric decided he had to move on or do whatever, and that's when mm. I just did. So when I got back from the stage with a heap of fairly good contacts, rotary-wise, I suppose, um, and spoke to a guy called Larry Cog, um, who was building engines for both his race cars and for Ken James. So I organised one of those, and a terrific guy called Graham Treasure. Um very under undervalued uh, race car builder engineer just worked out of his sheds at the back of his home in Croydon. Um, we hoed into the Gemini and rebuilt the chassis and put the rotary in. And I remember taking it to Calder and putting it on the Weybridge there, and I think it was seven hundred and forty kilo. <laughs> that's that's some diet. <laughs> Uh, yep, a lot of well, you know, we did new moulds. Ken Pickersgill at the Mile Fiberglass, he did all the, we redid all the body moulds and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I was having a, a real ball with that car, but same deal. Um, spending so much time overseas, I never really got a chance to race it. John Chambers was desperate to have it, but had to sell his Chev Monza. And in the end, I just swapped the Monza for the Gemini. I'd just bought a new house and couple of other bits and pieces. So ended up with a Monza and because I actually had a buyer for it, which was um, a guy called um, oh, Spicer was his uh, surname. He used to run John Latham's cars. And they were going to run it in the new 
what was GT series, and that was until Cams left the Porsche 935s in. So Spicer reneged on that deal and went and bought a 935 for Latham. So the Monza ended up with Jeff Monday. Let me see, I can run you through this. Um, so Jeff Monday bought it. Uh, he ran it for several years, sold it to Mike Emery. Mike Emery sold it to some guy, and Danny Nonga didn't do much. Um, Jeff bought it back. Mike then needed it to go to Asia. So he sold it back to Mike. Mike ran it, sold it to Chris Fing. Chris Fing ran it for many years. I bought it back off Chris Fing, and we're having lunch at Phillip Island one day and worked out we'd all over Monza twice. <laughs> Anyway, that car, which was a Grant King built car, it um, uh, it also it, it ran. Um, it ended up with a guy called Art McKee in New Zealand. Then Pollard bought it, so it's a second Pollard car I'd, I'd had. Um, and then yeah, Pollard went through to Chambers, etc. That uh, that car is now actually just about finished being restored by uh, some guys down in Tassie. I don't know if they want me to mention their names or not, so I won't. But, um, yeah, a couple of really good guys I know down in Tassie uh, took the project on when we got the decon. So, and it's where um, Gemini's ended up, hasn't it? And uh, yes, yeah, with John Douglas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And John Douglas ran the survey just around the corner from my brother-in-law's medical practice in Milwaukee. So. That's, that's actually getting quite big in Tassie because I think Colin Smith's Rover ended up down there as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. Now, Sports and Ends are actually really kicking off, and I think, as you would have seen from last weekend at uh, Winton, I think they're the largest field. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, rub it in, guys. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I, was, I was at the bend. Thanks. <laughs> 800 kilometres away. Um, so the, the mods are sold, um, and then I'm sort of fully ensconced in BF Goodrich. Um, then their whole corporate structure changed uh, worldwide, and especially in Australia. I think when I joined, there was 45, 46 employees, and within three years, they were down to like seven. Mm. Um, and I just, at that stage, decided... Now I'll probably go out and do something else again um, on my own. Um, so I just got involved. Uh, I'm just trying to put it all together here now in the right chronological order. Um, joined a place called Marketplace Marketing Group, got involved in a lot of um, high-end marketing, etc. And this is where the memory fades. I'm trying to get all the years together. <laughs> uh, but also through the the tyre connection, uh, had a contact with Walker Radial in Sydney that were the Avon importers. Um, and also at this stage, I got involved with Uptune Automotive. So I bought into Uptune Automotive. And again, through Goodrich contacts, we had four-wheel drive from TJM. We had Avon race tyres. So it was from 83 on, we're starting, we're looking after the Victorian Avon race tyre business. Um, so that, the, was that in um, Thornton Crescent in, in Mitcham then? No, no, no. We, it was Kavanagh Street in South Melbourne. Right. Um, and that's when I bought Quickfit Tyre in Quickfit Tyre and Brake in um, Collingwood, which was again a, a return to an old stomping ground. That's where the Globello wheel used to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
So a quick retirement break. Um, things are moving along all right. I purchased, I always like Group A sports cars. Um, I purchased an Elfin 360. Um, with the idea of uh, that was rotary powered at the time and then by the time I got stuck into it, um, the car needed a lot more work. So I thought, well, well, that's a restoration project and I was able to buy Jeff Harris's ex um, Hendrix Kadicha. Uh, 783, I think it was, was a chassis number, rotary powered car, and did the 86 sports car championship, which was just grass. Yes, you would have been was. racing against um, uh, Bat uh, and yeah, Chris Clearahan and Terry Hook, those guys, all of those blokes, yep, yep. Uh, Bernie Van Elsen um, over in South Australia and a couple of quick clubmans, but Ray Hanger had, had the most beautiful Red Max. Oh, the BMW-powered thing? Uh, no, the, he had the BDG. Um, he had a BMW one as well, didn't he, at one stage? Was he, a bit... he could have, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's about when Group Group A, unfortunately, or the sports car championship was pretty much in its last, last legs. And then... Um, also, the so I didn't do the 87 championship, I did the Victorian State Series, won that, which was really good because the guy I was knocking off was a guy called Bruce Harris who had that 934 Porsche. Um, and I think we won every round apart from when Peter Brennan bought uh, the uh, MS, might have been the not the MS, the MR8, maybe the M MR7, one of that, no, MR8 to Calder, he blew me away there. Well, oh, eight <laughs> litres should do, I would imagine. Then the split would be a weapon. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was 87. And then um, by that stage, I was having a change of partner. <laughs> so things ground away. Obviously not business partner, the way you said that. Uh, no. <laughs> um, so, again, just uh, sort of step back from actually racing and kept an interest in, in helping other people out where I could, et cetera. Um, got through, through a guy called Bob Street. Um, got to run his Porsche a couple of times in what was the original Pora series, the Porsche Owners Racing Association. That actually evolved into Porsche Cup, which then became obviously Carrera Cup in later years. Uh, but that was very much a club-based series. Um Back then, and then um, again, sort of nothing through the 90s. I bought a few cars and collected a few cars, some uh, Baranas. I had a couple of, well, I had a terrific idea. Um, I read about and followed a guy called Jim McGorkey in Scotland who used to run in the Thundersport series and Wendy Will series in the UK with a Renault 5 Turbo. Uh, body sitting on a B21, I think, Chevron or B23 Chevron uh, chassis. And this is about the time when obviously Tomo's Volkswagen and the Corvair had all been banned and all that sort of stuff in sports sedans. So I was going to build a killer sports sedan because the rules were the engine had to stay in the same half of the car that it was originally placed in. So if you wanted a rear engine car, most of them, obviously, the gearbox transaxle and the engine hung out the back except for a little car called a Renault 5 Turbo. <laughs> so I bought a Barana Formula 2 car from a guy called Rick Purvis in Western Australia. It turned out it was the X-Crazy, X-Brock, X-Crazy 
car. It was all in pretty good nick, just needed a pull through. And here's the idea, we're going to pump this Renault 5 body on, on top and um, everything was going to be peachy neat. I was going to have this terrific mid-engine car and rekindle and blow them all away. But uh, Cam said, no, the car isn't homologated as a touring car. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, these things were running around as support races for um, uh, the Grand Prix, that uh, Renault R5 Turbo Series, they were running at IMSA. Of course, they were categorised by the FIA, but no, Cairns and Rowan Homer never really got on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that that would come back again, wouldn't it, later? Many times. And um, <laughs> uh, So the Renault 5 idea got the tide wash. So um, I, by that stage, I'd had to, got an interest in Baranas and I'd end up with the ex-Crawford uh, Crawford car too, or, or Chas Talbot car. Um, and then with a new partner and needing to re-establish myself, um, they got moved on. Um, the Kadicha by this stage I'd also sold. Um, where, where did the Kadicha go, Oh, uh, Went to uh, Max Engelauer, who continued to race it in Group A, and then a guy called Con Whitlock got it. And then ah, yes, yeah. it ended up actually as the basis of the Hume brothers, um, MR2. MR2, yep. yep. So the original concept I had with putting the R5 turbo body on top of, or the Lacar body on top of a, of a Burana sort of went fully, full circle by the Kaditcher actually being the base for the uh, the MR2. The yep. Kaditcher's now with a guy called Terry Sims in Sydney who's restoring it back to its original Cosworth Vega power. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the Hume car rotary powered as well. So there's a synergy there with uh, with your some of your cars too. Yeah, um, love my hate them. They were good good horsepower value for money. Yeah, that's what I've been saying, Gaz. Gary, bang for buck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they make weird noises. Uh, they do, especially about up at six in the morning with a hangover. With people. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're part of the crew. <laughs> Rowan, can I just again just drag you back to? I'm gonna you're gonna have to correct me. I'm gonna say early to mid '70s when when sports sedan started to become a thing, and you, you were heavily involved in there. You you were that heavily involved. You were you were chosen to host the forum with some of the legends at the 50th anniversary of sports sedan. In your I guess in your own words, what what is it about those early sports sedans that that dragged you and your interest into that sort of into that realm? Um, probably because you didn't have to re constantly refer to a rule book. Um, and you can, you can have a go with anything, you know, like you'd sit down at a sports event meeting and, you know, you'd hear, you'd hear a whisper, oh, you know, Smithy's going to put a Chev in that bloody Tirana? What? Yeah, him and Boney are going to put a Chev in that Tirana? Oh, never. Oh, I never thought of that. And this is just two guys that, <laughs> they just blow up the six cylinder or get a bit outpaced. Well, we'll go and get a Chev. And, you know, they went and bought one out of a boat and bowled it in. I remember <laughs> it went one time. They just fitted the thing and the exhaust, fit the exhaust. They cut the inner guard out. And Boney's sitting there about to go out for a speed and he's got the car on full lock of the pre grid and all of a sudden, bang. <laughs> and the tyre was actually resting against the headers. <laughs> out of the tires. But, um, you know, guys could build their own car 
in in the garage. Um, you know, a, a car I, I absolutely love forever, and I'd love to know where it is, was a guy called Gordon Allen, built a Chev-powered um, XU1 Tirana, and it was just a beautiful thing. I mean, Jeff Bowers' XU1 was, it, it was a, it could win a street machine, best, in, you know, best presented car. That you could just, you can have your own um, agenda and, and just do it. I mean, we used to have a set of, I used to run the six-cylinder series for the Sports and Anna Association. We kicked that off, I think, the first one was Brian Speed Shop. Um, kicked us off with the first, oh, no, sorry, Bridgestone. Um, Bill Shallard had a whole stack of Tirana-sized tyres he needed to get rid of, and we were kicking around the idea of the six-cylinder series because the mini-series had started, the Newbrick mini-series had started um, within the Sports and Anna Association. So we, this is actually where we started to develop you know series and we go to Mick Ronk and say if you give us a grid you know we'll turn up so we had a six-cylinder series that ran for five or six years and guys you know Steve Land and Bruce Stewart used to come down from Barry Camp. Kent, Kent Yulman started off in that didn't he? Uh, Kent used to run very strongly now with the Belmont Motors XU1s yep, yep. Um, the uh, and his younger brother Brett yep did up and we had uh, we had 30-35 cars in the six-cylinder series you know um it was sort of probably a follow-up from the, the Sid Chrome six-cylinder series you used to run at Calder that sort of faded away for a time. So we rekindled that. Um, Yellow Terror, Dave Bennett was a great supporter of it. And that's sort of where I had a connection with Manx as well, all through that period. So with the Sports and Association, we started, you know, to build our own categories and or our own races within the Sports and Anne category. And that's, you know, what was the appeal of Sports and Anne's? Well, back then anyone could do it. Um, and it was a nationally recognised category. If you wanted to go and run Surface Paradise, you could find a meeting up there and you'd get a meeting accepted if you had a six-cylinder sports sedan. You know, no matter what body shape it was, there's guys like, I remember, um, Anglias with, with Holden sixes in them and turbocharged, you know, twin cam escorts. And it was all different. It was just grouse. <laughs> To use an old term, no, just... it, and it still is. Sports sedan still is grouse. Yeah, I'm I'm joined at the hip. Um, <laughs> no, I still have. I, you know, if I ever I wanted to do that, um, which is one of the cars I've got at the moment, it'd be nice to see it back in sports sedans, but it just it, it can't be. It's just too much to see. So, um, so that's yeah, Darren. That's where um, that's where the, the connection with sports sedans was basically through starting off in a mini in sports and you know one started at a game in Mac and I swapped presidency and secretary for a couple of years. Um that was just after I think the John Shepherd era or whatever. And still talk to Gilly occasionally. It's yeah, it, it's a good family. They're terrific. He finally won a championship. What was it, 2015 after Proudly got up and said, I've been trying to chase this championship for 30 years. <laughs> the Falcon, yeah. <laughs> the Blue Falcon. He's um, fastest plumber. That's it. It always has been. Rowan, um, quite humble for, for you, unlike any other driver we've had on here, <clears throat> when they go through their career and the cars they drove, they rattle off the, the trophies that that filled the cabinet. Did you did you get some wins? Did you get some good results in, in, the, in the various different categories you raced in? Um, sports at Anne's, just happy to be there. Yeah, won a few 
won a few races with the Tirana, but you know, more like the DB2 stuff at Winton or Calder State Rounds or whatever. Um, the Gemini, uh, once it was rotary powered, that was that was a good thing. I've forgotten if I won any races. I did actually, we've just moved factory and I found a whole heap of Cam's first place peanut trays. <laughs> Cam's club races, no, no year or date on it. Um, state championship with the Kadetra, I won the sports racing championship in 87. Um, I'd have to put that down to turning up at every round, to be to be honest. But that, that Kadetra was just, um, as a racing car, it was, you know, you could read the age, go around the sweeper at Winton. It was just just a perfect thing, magnificent thing. <laughs> the first time Jeff Harris was supposed to be running the new JWS with the Buick Power up at... Uh, the Super Paradise round, and um, he's come up to me and he said, You're flat under the bridge yet? Uh, no, he said, Well, I'm watching him. You know, he had his name in the program as a lap record holder. He later admitted that it was a, uh, a missed time, but he held on to that record for years. Well, it was false. <laughs> that Romano ever did, you know, that was just ridiculous, anyway. And I finally got the, got the balls and um, I used to race a really good mate, Jeff Monday. He had a, a, the JWS Chev by that stage was one of Clear Hands old cars with the full body. And we used to go to all our races together in Chinese restaurants on Sunday nights. That is another book. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and, uh, and there's your title too, Chinese restaurants on a Sunday yeah. night. <laughs> now, that was the only thing that used to be open, you know, when you go to, you know, racing at AIR or... or uh, Ella. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the Kim one. Um, <laughs> You've got the I, name. I've finally gone flat under the bridge, and and I remember after that session, and it was once it had happened, you're going, oh yeah, that's this is easy. This is just such a fantastic car. Uh, unfortunately, I was on good tyres with the Avons that were a really good tyre on the sports cars. They virtually dominated. And Jeff Harris came up and said, oh, that's all, that's all good. I can hear you. That's grass. Blah blah blah, and um. And at that stage, Apple Warman, who was looking after the car for me, Apple spent a lot of time in the US on Indy cars with Ron Badley and, and the like. And um, he was looking after the car and he said, Oh, Chuck, he said, You want to tour the first gear? And I just had to tell him to fuck off. No, no, no that's enough. <laughs> Oops, sorry, I can't probably say that. <laughs> you can bleep <laughs> that. We can. Um, I, have um, time, I have the time mark that. Just bear, bear with me a sec. <laughs> just hang on a sec, Ron. Just keep, so, just keep silent for five seconds, can you? I'll just do that so that we know we can go back to a, a point in the recording and we can bleep that out. <laughs> that's Grant's problem, not ours. That's Grant, yeah, that's the yeah, end problem. We don't worry about that. Yeah. So um, where are we up to now? We're... Um... Well, we were in the, we were in the 90s, I think. You were, you were um, re-established, re-established and uh, pressing oh, yeah, on. Yeah, and um... Just uh, look, motor racing wise, um, sort of a bit behind the scenes ish. Um, I was actually recalling the other day my first um, category management position was given to me by John Sawyer and um, Graham Sellers at Calder Park for the 1980 Grand Prix. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so John Sawyer, I don't know if he had vision or he'd seen it somewhere else, but. He actually uh, rang me up a couple of months before the event and said, you know, you're probably aware that we're getting Alan Jones and 
Bruno, Jack O'Malley, the Irishman, out here with the Grand Prix, blah, 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 and sports at Anza on the bill. We need someone who will just co just not have no one bother us. They come and bother you and any questions, and it's sort of like one central thing. And you know, it was more a role, I suppose, I got because of the Sports at Anza Association. I might have been president at the time, I don't know, a year before, a year after. And um, so I sort of became a bit more involved in in the event side of things, and my work life was a, was around um, events or what they call below the line advertising, and um, yeah, just plotted on from there. The connection with Goodrich actually led me into driver training because um, I knew Jim Murcock from the uh, uh, the old racing car news days and. Um, he, he rang up one day and said, oh, look, I need some tyre sections in our driving courses. We talk a bit about tyres. And uh, I said, yeah, I can organise some tyre sections for you. And what do, what do you tell them about tyres? You know, because this was my role. I was a, an expert by now. And um, anyway, I said, I'll come out, come out to Calder. We're doing, you know, we're driving school next Sunday or whatever it was. Come out and have a listen to what we're doing. So I went out, took some tyre sections out and had a listen and, um, by the end of the day, had me running a, a course, <laughs> uh, running a group actually, because I was a bit short staffed on the day. He gave me about a three minute briefing, just tell them to come near a 60k, blow that whistle, and just tell them they did a good job, but squeeze it, don't slam it. So from there, and over many years, I ended up um, working with Jim right up to 1988 when we kicked off um, Drive Safe Australia. Yep. Driver training and then our track time business, which was the self-drive marshal that kicked off uh, Fast Track on the Thunderdome, we assembled six HQs and had our track time program. We ran the first um, as a team. What did we have? We had Peter Dane, Brett Yulden, myself, Ken James. We ran the first as track time HQs. Uh, a lot of help from guys like Peter Knight and Murray Platt. Um, we ran the first uh, HQ uh, it was a three hour then I think and we should have run it because we were all done and dusted in two hours 45 <laughs> um, <laughs> you double in the old HQs and of course the Thunderdome had kicked off then and that was just when we had that first Thunderdome meeting and standing on the back straight and I remember the first Oscars going past and just sucking all the air out of, out of your lungs and I said mate this is the go um, we actually had a driving school based out at Calder Park at that stage. And uh, the um, whilst the Thunderdome was being built and leading up to the 87 uh, Touring Car Championship round. And so I sort of saw the Thunderdome being built and just thought one day I'm just going to have to get out there and do it. And um, as it turned out, what, by 1994, um, bought Graham Smith's Pontiac NASCAR and probably some of the best racing in the world. Is that is that where you met Les Small? Uh, no, I had a connection with Les back to probably Avon days, so back in the 80s um, with Lester Jay's. Um, okay, what's that, 40 odd years? Um, yeah, been guilty by association, Rowan. <laughs> more than likely. <laughs> um, sorry go on you step into you, you, you know we go through the, the Thunderdome era and then into your 
your NASCAR time. Just tell us about the the, the joy of of that aspect of your your, your career. Um, probably the fittest I've ever been. Um, Ken James, mate, was he'd done Ozco, done I think HQs on the day, and then Ozcar, and then NASCAR. Um, and when the opportunity came up to to get Smithy's NASCAR operation, as it was like, we got trailers, we, we got the trailer, every wheel, tire, nut and bolt, special spanner, the whole the whole shebang with it. it was a walk up start. Um, wasn't a, a super competitive car, it was a rear steer car, but um, you know it was an honest car, and yeah, well, we just wanted to get out there, I suppose, come hell or high water. But I remember reading up on things like. Uh, Mr. September, Harry Gant, on how you, you hydrated and got fit, and you know I was, you know I was running every morning and on exercise bikes and trying to do all the right things. Um, and you wouldn't think going around in circles for 110 laps at the dome would be that demanding, but by geez, it was. Mm. Um, look, we were never, never stars, um, never had a big crash. Um, I remember the. Um, the spotter, we we'd come to the agreement that if they on the on the intercom used to yell out "crash," meant that there was a crash on the track. So you know, expect yellows. And crash, crash was is a actually a crash in this part of the track that you're on. Um, and that's you know that was the the deal. And at one stage there, I heard "crash, crash, crash, crash." Stuff it, you're in it. <laughs> And it's when Tracy Leslie absolutely dismembered a Chevy Lumina from turn middle of turn one, two, all the way down the back straight. And uh, Les Kennywell and I had, had actually just, I think, Les had just got past me or I just got past Les. Don't know. And actually, know there's just shit and corruption everywhere and on the picks and backwards into the wall and four flat tyres and... That was the closest we had. But look, it was a good, honest little car. And I ended up driving that car for another 12 years with a fast track car. Yep. Doing the fast track laps. So uh, that was just for us. Was the NASCAR your last um, competitive on track journey? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much from there, uh, young family. Um, I'd also got, uh, was interrupting with my business, to be honest. I, I've taken on the running of the Three Peaks Rallies, um, which I ended up doing for, what, 21-odd years. So as motoring events management, we did um, Three Peaks, two at Adelaide, Tipsil 500 Rally, Grand Prix Rally, uh, 56, I think, 57-odd events over 21 years. Um, and that, again, kept me well entrenched. And I probably sort of dropped into... When NASCAR died um, out here, and, uh, and I've heard all sorts of reasons, I've got my own thoughts on it, and it was not a fault of, of the sport at all. It was a fault of um, mismanagement, um, very much a middle level. I know Bob was was just so locked in and so passionate about it, and I'll always give him that from all of good and bad business dealings we had over the years. He he bought NASCAR to Australia and, and he should have been knighted for it. Um, actually, he should have been knighted for what he did for motorsport in this country. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just costs were getting out of 
out of hand, I suppose, and I didn't really have a, a base. You know, I, I came up with lots of ideas, but, um, yeah, just never really happened. And I got to drive every second or third Sunday in a NASCAR out of the dome through Marshall Brew and, and Pass Track. So those, uh, those urges were well and truly taken care of. But I started then probably collecting cars and... Um, sort of got fairly early on involved in the Group C um, side of things, um, which was an ongoing saga for 14 years. Um, still got one, but um, probably the biggest, or just through different deals and associations. Um, so I think I mentioned I really like sports cars and um, big fan of, both group A sports cars and also production sports cars. And I always loved the little car driven by a guy called Murray Bryden. It was a Lotus Series 4 Super 7 um, that ran the 80 and 81 sports car championships. Um, and yeah, Mercot had one of those as well, didn't Yeah, he? well, that's the Mercot car that okay. yep. I ended up with, actually, yep. after Jim's passing. It got sold to as a complete lot to... Um, uh, to an operator and over the process I had PO's XD Falcon um, I'd had a heart attack at that stage the insurance company backed out of my cover so I had to sue them um, so to get the money to do that I had to sell the Falcon part of that deal is I got actually got Jim's Lotus back or, or the Bride and Lotus back so it all worked out in the end and we won the court case by the way um, thank you, Conway. Have you still got that, Lotus? Yep. Magnificent car. That's a long process, actually. You, you spoke about Darren Hossack before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Darren's dad um, has, uh, he's been doing a bit of work on it over the years for me, just bits and pieces. So that's, uh, yep, that's still a project. It's on the back burner because we've got a couple ahead of it. But uh, yeah. Let, let me know if you ever want to move that one on, right? Uh, <laughs> I always liked that car when Jim drove it. You probably have to talk to my estate about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, don't motivate me too much. <laughs> Wouldn't take much, bud. <laughs> um, yeah, so I could just start. drive it for you one time, you know. Then um, early early 2000s, I had um, just actually through Les, I used to see Tony quite a bit down at Les's because he was looking after all Tony Hunter's uh, group N touring car stuff um, and the Bianchi historic touring car series have been up and running for a couple of years. Uh, Sue Ransom was involved uh, with that and I'd known Sue actually through the Mercot driver training days and um, Tony Hunter was uh, I think what they used to call it on the core group or the... They it was four of them, wasn't it, originally? Uh, well, that was more Touring Car Masters. It was, yeah. there, there used to be the core group. Uh, anyway, the Bianchi Historic Touring Cars then became, um, uh, well, call it big business. I'll, I'll give you a very quick background story there if we if we got the time. But sure. really what happened is um, it was so popular, but supercars, and we're talking the Cochrane era here, Guys, this is great. You turn up with 33 cars, you fill our grids, but by the end of the race, there's seven left. 
um, you know, they're blowing up and it's, you know, the core group, there used to be 12 or 14, 15, a, a core group would go to every round and then you'd fill it up on each state. Terrific concept. The cars were just unreliable. Um, and Sue and Richard, who'd been looking after it, um, had moved on. So through through Tony, I, I took on the role of, of helping out or organising the Beanie Historic Touring Car Series and came to 2005, 2006. Um, apparently a couple of people weren't really happy with the way it was going or what the, you know, which way the direction was probably being headed. And as part of that, um, uh, I basically, I wasn't renewed, I suppose you'd put it that way. I was given the marching orders. Um, and by that stage, we'd already kicked off with, with CAMS, the concept of touring car masters, which was, they're all the same, but use an aftermarket Ford block because you couldn't find buy a 351 block that it hold together. Um, give them disc brakes in the rear, give them a gearbox. Um, and that was the basic concepts because supercars wanted 30 cars to start and 30 cars to finish apart from carnage. So, you know, that, that was the whole concept of the whole thing. Um, and we sort of, we got to the stage of getting that through, but then, uh, other people came in, but within 18 months, they'd, um, they'd dropped the bundle on it. So Tony got me back in and for the next 15 years, we ran Touring Car Masters. A good, good part, of, good era that, the Touring Car Masters while you were there. Um, it certainly the, ran well from my experience support, with it. Yeah, terrific support from, um, from Bianti initially. Um, and then we had a whole series of, of series sponsors, but terrific support from Shannon's, from Rare Spares in the, in the time. Um, the, the real draw card was that they were popular cars, um, really good um, open garage competitors. You know, there was no, I remember, God rest his soul, Jim Morton rocked up with the XB Falcon uh, for Glenn Seaton to drive it at Eastern Creek, sorry, Sydney Motorsport Park. No, it was Eastern Creek then. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we had these little chrome bollards and these these tapes, you know, that you used to have at the airport queuing lounges. And what's this? Is, I'll keep people out of the garages. And I said, Jim, I'm sorry. You want to keep people out of the garages? Go back to Dunlop series. People walk into our garages. And he sort of looked at me a bit strange. And by the end of the weekend, he said, you're right. We're open garage. It's all good. So, uh, and that's what, and TCM was was all about that. It was cars that people loved, rip of people involved in it. You know, you've got stalwarts like Bob and Sharon Middleton, Crikey. I mean, the series sometimes is written on their backs. Um, Bowie, of course, doing his last year in it. Mm. And Tony Kay is just, he's a pocket rocket. I, I can run through all the names. Yeah, Tilly's, oh, well, Cam, Cam particularly. Yep. Um, I mean that that's the most one of the most recognized racing cars in Australia, that taxi. That's um, <laughs> yeah. amazing. But by uh by 2019, COVID hit, ARG had taken over. They sort of had a slightly different management style that wasn't what it used to be, and I'm due for retirement. So I've always had an interest in a little bit of a blasting um process. So 
I decided to set up a semi-retired business there. And um, then I was asked to give Winton a bit of a hand, or Benella Auto Club, I should say, a bit of a hand with the AMRS. And then over a process of about two or three weeks, or was it a month, um, they had some fairly major management changes up there. So I did a six-month contract with Benella Auto Club to help facilitate or provide or service the 2022 supercar roundup, which we did, but um, living away from home for extended periods didn't really work. So I uh, went back to the blasting business, went and by that stage of well and truly got it back up, back up on its feet with, um, with Stephen White at the helm. And um, then Kim and Rod rang up and said, uh, so you're not at Winton, can you come in and give us a hand at Calder? So it's a lot closer than Winton. Mm. So what's, hap what's happening at Calder, Rowan? What's the what's the end goal? The end goal is to get a, a Category B licence so we can run national events there again. Um, so I've already got a, call it a Level 3 licence or Stage 3 or Class 3 uh, licence. The AASA at the moment, we've got Motorsport Australia due out in the next couple of weeks for test and tune, private practice and sprints on the national circuit. The process there has been to bring the circuit, especially runoff areas, back up to back up to spec. Um, we had to do some excavation because some of the old, some of the viewing mounds had encroached into what was originally runoff area, um, but we've got that back. Um, we gave some dirt out and extended gravel traps. And uh, Alan, Newton, Alan Newton would be happy to read that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the, what was the runoff area in the 80s was actually due to Alan's uh, hop, skip, and a jump and, and um, low flying open record. I was actually there that day and I was supposed to be racing. It's my, my, it's my very first memory of, uh, of motorsport at Corner oh, as a young fellow. Yeah. I remember watching that on TV live at the time. Ray Hanger remembers it as Alan went flying over the top of him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I worked with Alan and his son for many years at uh, at, at Jeff Brady Holden, and uh, he still had that limp right up until uh, until the very end. What was that last year or the year before? Unfortunately. Yeah, I was doing um, actually restoring Jeff Monday's old old Kadicha, uh, and I had to ring. It was originally a car built for Alan. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I had a conversation with him and Nudie. Yeah, I'll catch up with him every, every once in a while. Whenever you're down, Danny, no way. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so, so, Calder, the, the, end, the end goal is to again have, you know, almost top flight racing back at the back in the suburbs of Melbourne because it is, it is a suburb of Melbourne now out there. It is. And look, the, the misconception is, oh, Calder can never go, go ahead because of, you know, the encroachment of, the housing and all that sort of stuff. Well, let me tell you, the last, the closest houses that have been built with Calder were built after the Thunderdome was built. Yes. They're on the other side of what is now a dual electrified rail line to Sunbury. There's a huge uh, generation station, uh, power generation station there, or whatever you call it, transformer station. There's a big shunting yard on the other side of the uh, of the railway line, we're right under the flight path and the third runway from um, Tullamarine. Um, and the power lines that surround the joint, um, on a foggy morning, you can actually see the, the halo around each of the wires and half of that power apparently goes to Portland. So 
they're fairly a buzzing. Um, all the land on the opposite side of Calder Park Drive up to where the houses have got to is all industrial land and zone industrial. And Calder Park many, many, many years ago was zoned recreational. So um, it's the old story. You can't buy a house next to a pub that's got a 2am licence and ask them to bring the licence back to six o'clock. That ain't going to happen. Um, so Calder is definitely there to stay. Is, some, is there some good energy out there, Rowan? Like, is, you know, this is this is going to happen again. We're going to go. It's been a long time since we've raced here. And, and it, it's going to be, you know, for that level of motorsport, state level, it's just going to be an absolute boon. I know the I work very closely with the Victorian State Race Series and the, the, the vibe around a possible round six in October out there, whether it be for points or whatever it might be, is absolutely massive. The energy for called us to be a racetrack again is is the, the community or the, the the sport in victoria is just frothing about it look all the suppliers or people we need to, you know the plumbers the electricians people who've had an association with the joint um look our gravel um i i speak i rang up jeremy mantello who's in that business um uh, with fulton's and said look i'm I've got, I've got to reconstitute these gravel pits. And I'm, can you point me in the right direction for gravel? He said, you're there tomorrow. <laughs> and both Jeremy and, and Adam came out from Fulton's, like just went out, grabbed the samples, sourced the product, and, um, you know, I was going right, right through the process. Um, and he, Jeremy just keeps on saying, whatever it takes to get colder back, you know, just keepers in mind and it's the same with so many of the the suppliers and and motorized people um that yeah cold has got to come back look i know there's some people that don't want it to come back because they've got another agenda or they, you know they might be involved in transport or they might have concepts and ideas about building a brand new taj mahal you know down there but somewhere in victoria um fact is cold is already there it's got the history it's been the home of motorsport for well, since 1962, um, not just Victorian motorsport. I mean, think of all the innovations that happened at Calder Park and they've done the Australian Grand Prix. It's where the touring car races used to dominate, rally cross. Um, drags. Uh, the drags, the nationals were there, held there. The nationals were held together by Calder. Yeah. Um, and now, yes, we're a non-prep strip now, but that's to keep the integrity of the national circuit together so there's no preparation on the drag strip but a couple of times a year yes we will prep the strip and it will be a fully fledged drag race meetings out there you know there'll be pro stocks or something happening out there it'll be headline events but um it's uh and, and in time perhaps a new drag strip or the road course can be extended to use other available space out there and it can be a bit like hidden valley where you've got a drag strip alongside the main straight and and the Thunderdome? Third on the list. Yep. Um, so Calder Park and Adelaide International Raceway, still owned by the family. Uh, I was actually over there last week. We're just doing some work there to uh, hopefully get drag racing back there before the end of the year. Um, street drags, again, only. We've got to know our place. Um, Thunderdome, the amount of people that uh done a couple of the drive event stays out there where we've incorporated the national circuit 
uh, what we call the international, so the national link onto the Thunderdome, uh, pick your spot, it's fine. Uh, and as I said, I did 12 years of um, fast track out there with the with both the Oscars and NASCARs. Yes, there are some bumps there, but when the place was built 38 years ago, the technology and machinery to build it was cutting edge. These days, um, it's second nature. So, um, look, if there's if there's a reason to put the dome back together, um, the biggest hiccup is not hiccup. The biggest hindrance would be the, the seating side of it because of the way that was originally constructed. Um, but as a racing surface, um, a bit like Rockingham in the US, nothing's impossible, um, and it could be put back to a billiard smooth racetrack any time the budget allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rowan, um, sadly, we're coming to uh, sort of our end of our time. My question at this point in time, I have, I have two questions. Your single favourite one-off memory at a racetrack or involved in motorsport, which I'd, I'd like an answer on. And second one, you can choose to sweep it under the carpet or answer it. Your biggest, uh, your main protagonist, you're, uh, that you, you'd go to the racetrack and go, oh, I can't believe that that so-and-so is here and we have to deal with that person again as a competitor or as, yeah as, yeah as, as, as rowan Harmon, as rowan Harmon, as an organizer or no, no as rowan Harmon, as what whatever you were doing at the time uh look best best thrill was probably in the first nascar race to come in seventh um because bruce williams made a promise he'd do something he never has <laughs> um, he said, "If you get under thirties, I'll do something, and if you get in the top ten, I'll do something else." And he never did. No, of course. Um, <laughs> um, that was probably the biggest buzz to, like, the nerves. You know, I had to get my teeth reset for months afterwards. But um, that was probably the biggest buzz, uh, apart from going flat under the bridge at, at Surfers, Jeff Harris. If you're listening, your, your sports car title. Um. Yeah, I was, it's it's look on the trophy. Cam spelt the name wrong. Um, it, it's in the home garage. Cams don't get anything right. Um, back then, uh, protagonist, hardest person. Oh, crikey, I don't know. Like I said, you can say you can say Darren. I prefer not to answer that. <laughs> to deal with Paul Stubber. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing, very own Paul Stubber. He was, uh, I think, <laughs> guest number seven. No, Paul, fantastic steerer, but man, is he hard to deal with. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you for answering that, Rowan. Uh, you're the first one that's been sucked in to actually answer that. Oh, well, apologies to Paul. You, know, <laughs> well, you, know, you had a long time. probably laugh anyway. Yeah. We probably have a laugh about that. Yeah. yeah. He brings a big show to town, doesn't he? Uh, look at uh, yeah, from the rear of grid starts and all that sort of stuff, and the sideways definitely a showman, but just to just to organise or get <laughs> someone focused. Yep, that was probably the most frustrating. But there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Rowan, um, absolute pleasure. And like many of these stories with people like yourself, we you know we could we could extend this out to version two and version three. I reckon. I reckon we should down. should have Rowan back. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's so be. much. There's so many stories in TCM. Rowan, like um, everything, like everything motorsport, we're we're trying to renew with Napa at the moment. So if we, if we get a second year going along, we'll, we'll get you back. 
Well, Napa should because they're actually coming out to Calder at a day a bit later in uh, in the year. And I'm, I'm wrapped Alan Heapy is uh, we've done some shakedown laps with the Napa car out there at Calder, which we yep. look after them. Yep. Um, and they've chosen Calder for one of their upcoming uh, presentation days. So uh, Napa people, I actually got to drive that uh, that Napa Chevrolet when we did a little bit of PR for. Yeah. Uh, for the the Repco Bathurst One Thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was what that was sort of what Alan re relifed it for, wasn't he? Sort of yeah. to get that get that done. Well, don't forget your old mates Darren Smith and Gary O'Brien when you're talking to the big wigs at Napa to uh, get us re-signed. <laughs> and please don't take our budget to do your own project. Making notes for the email right now. <laughs> <laughs> When are we doing the when are we doing the fifty first year of sports at our association? Well, I think we're up to fifty-five because we did the fiftieth at fifty-two years, I think it was. Oh, 55, Kent Yildon's old racing number. Well, there you go. We'll have to get Mr. Neil on to uh, onto that and get his uh, get him motivated again to organise another party. Terrific. Rowan Harmon, thank you so much for joining us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you, Rowan. And thank you to Napa. Uh, terrific chat there with Rowan. What a uh, uh, what a terrific career in in professional motorsport and and commercially within the industry and and advertising. And I don't think I've ever spoken to a bloke that's owned, owned and flicked so many race cars in his life. And it sounds like he's still got a fair old uh, pile of them at home, doesn't it? Uh, uh, at least he admitted that he knew everything from a very tender age as well. Yeah, and yeah. then found out that he didn't, which is really good. Love to have him on again. Talk more about TCM, the development of that, and how how it progressed, and and even the, the colder bits. And you know, this time next year, where we probably had race meetings there, which would be even better. Yeah, look, I dearly hope so. We, you know, we we all we seem to only be saying waving goodbye to good race tracks, and you know, they, the ones that come to mind, Emory Park and Oran Park. Wakefield's had a breath of fresh air, so that's that's awesome. But you know, there's Surface Paradise and. You know, I, I don't know what's going on with Lakeside these days. They seem to have um, gear gear events and stuff there midweek. Oh, they but have, yeah, to have to have the other stuff on will be good. They do have their grassroots racing, which is a lot of the categories you see at Queensland Raceway, but obviously restricted in their grid sizes and their noise output. Yeah, well, um, last weekend was a, it was a tip top weekend for racing. A lot of top level sort of national stuff was on the. Uh, on the menu and um you went off to uh my old stomping ground the shannon's national oh, sorry the shannon speed series uh at winton yes indeed and a pretty good meeting a few uh punters rolled up as well which is really good to see particularly up around the old uh, start finish line that was pretty well packed out there and there was even uh people around the others out of on the, the outside of the sweeper which is the inside i guess you'd say um, around on that side as well, and but, of course uh, our great mates at Race Fuels are providing all the great juice up there to keep the uh, the race cars going, Gaz. They they certainly will. I've seen seen a few people uh, pushing uh, uh, fuel containers around during the course of the weekend. Big shout out! They are also at the Bend and various other race tracks around. They'll be at they'll be at Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend. Big shout out to Race Fuels for all of your racing fuel requirements. Make sure you check them out. Yeah, so uh, TCR, obviously, uh, that was uh, uh, three different winners over the three races. And um, unfortunately, Michael Clemeni, who won the first race and then had a, a clutch failure or gearbox failure in, and didn't start the second and came back, looked like he was in on for a podium in the third, well, sorry, a third 
a third place and a third, maybe even higher, and crashed at uh, before turn eleven on the last lap, which is unfortunate. Uh, just a bit of a touch up. Took took ownership of it. Uh, it was dicing with Josh Bucken who had a win, and Tom Oliphant won the reverse grid race, which was uh, interesting as well because they had to revert back to the Alpha. The Lincoln Co. Um, wasn't there. Uh, there was there was not confirmed, but I believe that it had an engine failure at a test the previous Thursday. Uh, so we or is just... it back in bonded store? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not going there. Uh, they they reckon it's a part supply. That was the official version, and it probably was. You know, can't get another engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, Trans Am, which I reckon is uh, the showpiece for uh, Speed Series at the moment. They put on some really good races. Lucky Dalton, untouched in three races. Cody Gillis was second in two of them, and James Moffat just got him in the last uh, after a safety car. So he, he and Moff was pretty uh, quick to say that he didn't really have the speed of the front two, and just basically uh, uh, got a lucky break to get past on the restart uh, for the uh, at the right at the end there. So yeah, good weekend for young Lockie Docking uh, Dalton, who's running with uh, GRM, of course. Uh, a teammate to Moffat. Uh, <laughs> Owen Kelly had a, had a pretty bad meeting as it turned out. He got turned around and uh, all didn't go that well for him. Uh, there was some uh, great sports, sports events. Oh, yes. Sports, sports events. Precision International National Sports Events Series. What a way to open that series. And if you were looking at just the results, you'd say, how does Ash Jarvis lead the series? Well, quite simple. That he had the... Uh, Fortune to finish all three races, and he finished them all fairly well up the grid, so or up the uh, end result. But uh, Tony Riccadello won the first race. Um, uh, uh, Josh Haynes came through and won the second. That's my heart, Gaz. <laughs> uh, Josh Haynes, who was driving uh, Phil Crompton's Ford Mustang, the TA1 replica type of car that he has. And then um, in the last race, uh, Jordan Caruso came from the back and had a win. Caruso was a DNF out of it. was a, quite a few DNF out of race two. Caruso had a throttle jam open going into turn one, which is not nice. Uh, Tony Riccadello broke a CV joint. Uh, quite a few others didn't finish. Daniel Tomasi crashed at turn two. Uh, looked like some pretty heavy damage on the back of that too. Yeah, it was a, I went and look at it. It was more of the rear wing and just a right rear guard that uh, had some battle scars on it, but I think that'd be quickly repaired for the next round because uh, it's mostly, it's just cosmetic around there, isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. yeah, Everything's inboard a lot from the bodywork. Um, Formula Ford, Matt Hillier won all three races. He regained the lead there over Zap Lobko, who uh, took the lead at the last round at the Simmons Plains. In other categories, S5000, Joey Mawson, the, the man who can't get a super license no matter what he does, uh, won all three races and there was a bit of carnage in that. I didn't quite see it all. I was at actually chasing sports at end uh, info at the time. Uh, BA Touring Cars, there was just six there for the weekend and Jude Bargwana came through and won all three races. One of them, he uh, mucked the start up and made hard work for himself, but he still came through and won. Uh, Jamie Tilly had a second, Jim Policina had a second as well. So I think Jamie got it um, on countback because I think he had a second second, if you know what I mean. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. 
So that basically covers us off for winter. I think I got all categories. Yeah, I? I reckon you did. I reckon you did. Yep. Oh, you uh, was lucky enough to travel over to the Bend, uh, the Bend Motorsport Park in Tail and Bend for the Lamborghini Super Trofeo Asia round number two, their first round at Sepang, and uh, came down to um, came down to the Bend. Um, what a what a, a dramatic travelling circus that is. There's a all the forty foot containers arrive on Thursday. Cars get shoveled out, whether they were you know, crashed and that. There was cars that came out of the container that you thought, wow, that's they're, they're just going to get that out of the way. And then uh, up it goes. Kev that used to race down at, uh, used to work down at Kevin Murphy's and at Tasman and various different places over the years that uh, ran into him there. There's a, there's a lot of Aussies working in the in the garages down there. Of course, the Garmy Aces had, had their team there. Rod Wilson had entered the uh, Sam Brabham and um, Dean Canto. And uh, Dean Canto had a, a reasonably good um, good race meeting, but um, certainly yeah, race one was taken by the New Zealand team, Marco Gildtrap and last year's championship winner, championship winner Chris Vanderdrift in the Absolute Racing uh, Huracan Evo two. Uh, Sam Brabham and Dean Canto came fourth, and the Objective Racing guys of Tony and Jackson Walls came tenth in race one. Race two was won. From start to finish by Jonathan Chicotto, uh, second generation son of Venezuelan driver, son of Johnny Chicotto from two times um, world superbike champion, I think he was, and um, you know won Bathurst but was ungloriously uh, taken <laughs> away from him. I think it was ninety seven or eighty seven, right? What eighty seven? Eighty seven. Eighty seven. So yeah, son of. So there's Johnny Chicotto, there's Johnny Chicotto Junior, and then there's Jonathan Chicotto, who's the third, the second son in line. So. He got um he got the second race win. The absolute racing guys with Marco Giltrap and Chris Vanderdrift got second. And uh the Aces Zagami team led by Rod Wilson with Dean Canto and Sam Brabham at the wheel, they got a uh, a third. So that was um a really um different series to to be a part of. Didn't Sakato win the first race as well and got uh, there was uh some stewards room things went on there. Uh, one of them was, um, I don't think he had his head around the start procedure and there was a maximum speed. I don't know what that was, but 90, believe, 90 kilometers an hour, I believe 180 was the prescribed pace <laughs> in his head. And, uh, that was, gave him a 30 second, uh, 30 second penalty. So it took him out of, uh, out of the podium positions. The XLs were, um, were pretty big over there. Joel Johnson, um, won the round with Hugo Simpson, and uh, the ever-rising 194, Cadell Ambrose. And the last race for the week, entire weekend was XLs, and it was an interstate challenge. And Victoria absolutely teed off on the South Australians and New South uh, Who's happy about that? Oh, no, Slate numbers. It was like 70% of the field were Victorians. So it was like, <laughs> so you went there well, with numbers. We could have gone <laughs> half an hour earlier from the track and just gone, oh, well, yeah, the Vicks have won it. Just this is like, like a Russian invasion, isn't it? You just we go with numbers. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just <laughs> keep bringing it in there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Crikey, he's up on the politics. Um, <laughs> talking about politics, prototype. John Paul Drake won the round in his uh, Wolf Mistral F1. Scotty Borman in the new um, F1 Extreme 5.2 litre. For all intents and purposes, it is a Can-Am car. <laughs> it is just a boomer. JP, <laughs> JP, though, has got the game on a string. He's doing a, a great job. And Jason Macris, returning Jason Mac Macris. You know, two years ago, Macris in the Wolf was the fastest Wolf you could have in the world. They've had about six iterations since then. <laughs> and uh, 
for old JM, he is peddling his brains out, like absolutely driving the wheels <laughs> off it. And it was really good to see uh, to see him and JP going at it again. And they, they've, well, Macris sort of says to me that, oh, we've put the that coming together behind us at QR from, from last year. And then, you know, JP's doing an interview for TV and Macris just comes and tackles him to the ground and, JP yeah, gets up that. and goes, that's yeah. the closest he can get to me all weekend. He has to tack <laughs> me to the ground. So great to see the prototypes alive and well. It was a small field. There's only nine cars. They actually had 12, but three removed themselves from the event due to business and, and stuff like that. So Nick Kelly's got one of those, the new um, F1 Extremes as well. But he he took off on Friday morning with uh, work commitments. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out for the prototypes. They were, they were really good racing and... And the 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 goalposts as far as speed gas has really moved on from you know the stores and the wests and mm. that so those guys are still be competitive but the the wolves are a, a different a different game now. But, but BOP will keep the others in the fight, won't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, and the BOP you can see the BOP at work. Like JP was, uh, he had another half a pound of boost taken off him, and that really made it hard for him to you know he couldn't mm. run with the F one extreme five point two liter thing. So. Interesting. Uh, Australian Open uh, Open Wheelers, the uh, sponsored by Race Fuels. Ryan Howe had three wins. Trent Grubel um, had a weekend to forget um, at the bend, and there was, I would say, some mind games going on there. He he didn't get away from the final race start. Um, Trent is an extremely good talent, as is Ryan Howe, and actually as is Ryan Astley, who came third. Some great racing. Really good field, and there's obviously classes within that field, but a terrific um, display of um, Australian Formula Open and the three different class, four different classes within BMW E30s. Royce Lyon won that with Brian Burke second, and Ash Rogers third. They put on a great show, brought over a great field, and SA Tin Tops. Um, Aaron Steer won in a GT3, outclassed uh, Stratton Limbiris in his Corolla, and Damien Sullivan in the Commodore. Just to Wrap up. Aaron Steer also drove the RS, um, the Aprilia RS powered um, V4 Wolf, which oh, is really? um, something very interesting to hear. It sounds sounds kind of Ducati Desmo esque. Well, being that it's an Aprilia, it sort of has that <laughs> that Italian beat to it. Yep. But uh, great to see Aaron back at the wheel after you know quite some time. He was a championship contender in prototypes a few years ago. Um, he had a, a Porsche GT3, which was uh, which was kind of like taking a Lamborghini Diablo SVR to uh, a field of Porsches back in the 90s. Mm. But um, yeah, that was a, a really good race meeting and uh, good to see the bend um, with grass growing and no dust storms and uh, all of that. The place just looks uh, a million bucks now and really is going to be a destination for these more international classes. It seems to be where they're taking the business there. I believe the Le Mans prototypes in some form, the Asian series will will be back in the not too distant future. So uh, keep cool. your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, sounds good. Um, sounds and real that, grassroots, so does it? Unfortunately, well, it brings well, along grassroots categories as support categories. And, and the that's other great. thing is the weekend, like the weekend with Super Trofeo, that's a pretty big deal. That's a regional series, but it was a fairly low key meeting. There was a decent crowd there, like the viewing platforms with people on them driving. You know, the drive and park and mm. drive thing was was good. The Bend is certainly a great venue for that where you can come and spend the time. Like Johnny Chicotto said, he was asked in a post-race interview, did you get a chance to see much of Australia? And he said, plane, racetrack, hotel room upstairs, garage, <laughs> hotel room, celebrate, win, 
Aeroplane out of here. So that sounds you know, like you at a race meeting. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Bring home the big trophies. Yeah. It's not the yeah. 90s anymore, Gaz. You don't even do the presentations. You're gone before that happens. What's the use of hanging around for a presentation if you're not getting a trophy, Gaz? Seriously. You can put your hands on one as you hand I reckon after 23 years of service to the industry, there should be some sort of trophy coming to me. <laughs> you got one, didn't you? You got some sort of nice little fancy MA pin or something for services to God and the Queen or something? Uh, I've got a, um, yeah, it's a, like a, a certificate, framed certificate. Got to hold a trophy up, guys. You want to you strap a helmet on one day? I've got, I've got my Shannon's. I've got my hundred Shannon's uh, picture. Yeah, I never got anything. I got an article in the paper or something anyway. Oh, you got to you got in print. Yeah, you did yeah, well. I got a special little article written about me, which was great. We really appreciated that. Um Gaz, there's something else in Queensland you uh, were covering off. No, I was at uh, Sydney oh, Motorsport Park. Was the Sydney Classic, the Historic Sports Racing Clubs Association, first meeting of the year, as it turned out. They were supposed to have one earlier in the year, but they had lack of entries, so it didn't happen. I guess the highlight of this particular meeting um, was that they've now allowed uh, Group C, Group A touring cars to be joined by the five-litre touring cars and super tourists. And uh, so to give you an idea of the entry, and I don't have the results, but I'm, I'm just looking at the type of entry. Jonathan Webb was in a uh, 95 Falcon. Uh, Terry Lawler had his uh, Group A uh, XDJR Mustang. The um, That was a green car, of course. Uh, uh, Chris Dewell had his Sierra there. Uh, Jamie McDonald and, and Matt Hornby both were in uh, five-litre Commodores. So from the 93 era, uh, there was a Nissan GDR. Greg Boyle's car was there as well. That was in the pork and tyres colours. You might remember seeing that occasion. I think it was an overseas car that came here. So it was int interesting that they're now allowing uh, other cars in. And uh, Gavin Adamson in, uh, sorry, uh, Scott Robinson, he's uh, got an ex-Longhurst 1986 BMW 325 was in the JPS colours, uh, ran and won the Epscar series, I think, in about 1985 or 86. So um, it was a reasonably good feel. It would have been good to watch. Uh, Group N ran a um, one-hour enduro, supposedly, although it says the race time was 23 hours and 28 minutes, so I think that might be wrong. Um, it was 12 laps, so it wasn't even a one-hour thing. But it was a, it follows what uh, group they've done with Group S production sports cars, having a, a, a pit stop and allowing to run on. So uh, I, no one teamed up. They were all singles. Brad Tilly won it in his uh, 66 Mustang from David Stone. And third place went to John Burke in the Charger, but he got pinged for 60 seconds, so he dropped well down to seventh spot. Uh, interesting names there. Tom Tweedy has been running around at Historics in a Cooper S, much like he, what his father did many years ago. So um, he ended up running eighth. And there, and I tell a lie, there was a, a couple of uh, driver changes. Stephen Page and Chris Boys shared a car in that race. Uh, also on the program, of course, uh, Historic Formula Fords, and there was a 14 of those, um, included uh, Nick McBride, who you may know from Carrera Cup, uh, Peter Lucas, Will Liston, that was probably the major names. You know, Harrison Cooper was running in it, Dean Kutsamides as well. So there's a few uh, well-known names that were having a steer at a historic meeting. 
And last but not least, the sports sedans and super sprint. This is a, the, the Group U cars. And Keith Carling had his uh, Mazda RX-7, the first iteration that uh, was built, not like the Nick Smith one that caught fire at Witten on the, on the same weekend, unfortunately. That's sad, second, wasn't it? Second fire in his, uh, in three meetings. So yeah. there was, uh, uh, yeah, it was a, a few interesting cars in that. Being in super sprint format, there was, uh, there was a few guys that turned up with cars that, don't really qualify for any other category and they just run a sprint format, which means that they don't uh, race each other. They just race the clock. And uh, Keith was obviously the quickest out of that lot. So that that wrapped up that series. I think they've got a, another event, uh, which I call a, I think they call their summer historic, which is either in late November or early December. Uh, normally they would have four meetings a year, but with Wakefield Park, um, being redeveloped now, as we understood, we we have it confirmed that the Shelleys did buy Wakefield Park on June six. So paperwork was done, so they've already moved in with some heavy earth moving equipment to start uh, reconfiguring the place. Oh, there you go. We great to see the gate open there for for whatever reason, just to make it make another keep another racetrack uh, with with historical and and modern reference and significance. Be certainly cool. Hmm. Now, uh, Gaz, you and I. Um, are going to teaming uh, up actually get the old team back together. Race fans, check it out on uh, this weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park. We'll be dusting off the uh, the real Daz and Gaz show. None of this uh, this sitting around a uh, computer and chatting about motorsport. Actually, out there and doing the job together. The Workhorse Radical Australia Cup will be on. Mobile One Australian production cars combining with the Monochrome GT4 Australia Series. Improved Production Racing Association running their nationals for under two litre and over two litre. Mark Cars will have their um, their uh, standalone event there as well. The Toyota the second Gazoo round Racing, of their series. Yeah, Toyota Sorry. Gazoo Racing Australia Scholarship Series for round number three after SMP and Phillip Island only uh, a little while ago at the State Series and XLs. On the program, yeah. it seems wherever you go these days, there's uh, XLs on track. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the second Mark GT come along with uh, Johnny Have you Goodhager. seen any entry lists yet, Gaz? Uh, I've seen, and yeah, I've got a couple that were, were under an embargo about a week and a half ago. So, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the radicals, radicals, radicals and... out, production cars are out. They're, they're yeah. probably the two leading uh, ones. But uh, yeah, see Johnny Goodacre come up and have a run in his new. Um, it's mainly white, but it's got a lot of BB green on it as well, which is good to see. It's his favourite brew. It is. It is. We've always enjoyed that, whether it be his Porsche or his saloon car or whatever it might might be. Be good. Good to see John back at the track. It's like it's like getting the old gang back together, even competitive yeah. wise. Hey. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much it. That'll sort of take us out. Yeah. To to the next uh, to the next time you and I uh, join each other on the Napa Grassroots Racing Podcast. Check it all out. The uh, the Napa Motorsport Academy for improving your lap times and your uh, grassroots racing experiences. Check that out. And of course uh, you need to get your race car going, check it out at race fuels. They are the quality supplier of all race fuels. Don't trust your pride and joys fuel system or performance to anyone else. Check them out. Race fuels. Gaz, I'll see you on the weekend or uh, back, back here in a fortnight's time for more, more grassroots racing podcasts. Indeed you will. Looking forward to it. Goodbye from Gaz. And it's goodbye from Daz. See ya. You've just listened to another Network R production. 